Welcome to the Dirt Bike Burrito Podcast. My name is Jeremy and this is the Burrito Bite Series. We're going to have small episodes for you, the burrito crew. Now we know that traveling is a bit hard and we're not doing as many long distance drives, some of us. So these episodes are a nice 15-20 minutes with industry experts, organizers, riders, and I guess just a whole range of people that are interesting. Plus, Alex and I sit down and have a quick chat amongst each other. In this episode, we are chatting to Andrew Houlihan, previous guest, previous Dakar competitor and 2022 Dakar rider. Had an incident about 10 weeks ago we've chatted about now on the podcast. Make sure you go follow him on social media. He has an awesome story. This is going to be his full recovery and then lead into Dakar 2022. We're not going to get too much of it. Enjoy the episode. Thank you so much, Andrew, for your time. Really hope that you heal up in 100% for 2022 Dakar. And as always, thank you so much to our supporters, B&B Off-Road, Grassroots Hard Enduro, Goat Mountain Extreme, Global Racing Oils, Adventure On Store, on point motor and suspension, whole shot graphics. Thank you so much for your support. Remember to send in your questions. If you have questions about how your bike maintenance should be done or how your gear maintenance should be done or anything along those questions, ask us and we'll be asking the experts in these burrito bite episodes. Thank you very much for your support. Keep riding and stay safe. Cheers. All right. So here we are with Andrew Houlihan. G'day, Andrew. How are you, mate? Good, mate. How you going? Oh, well, look, I'm always going to be better, unfortunately, than you, mate, because you have a bad run with motorcycles. Oh, uh, yeah. I wouldn't say a bad run, considering the amount of time I spend on them, but, yeah. Mate, look, let's let's just dive straight into it. What happened? What has what what happened about, was it two months ago now? Yeah, ten weeks. Pretty much ten weeks ago. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, I've been, been away for a couple of days on the bike, riding, and I come home to did a little bit of service and took off again on the Sunday morning. Um, pretty wet weather, but perfect day for a, a ride. Um, had a, three or four other guys with me that were tagging along maybe five or six kilometres behind me. and I had a pretty unfortunate collision with two kangaroos at high speed. Mate, so, it, was, it looks like it. Like, can we say how fast you're going? Because it looked like it wiped the bike out. Yeah. Look, I was just before... The, I hit the ruse. I was going well, you know, one one hundred and eighty. Oh. I come over. There's a big wide open dirt. I'll say private road. Yeah. Um, I come over a little rise or a rise, and I ride this road all the time. And I just backed off, and I was probably sitting on one hundred and sixty. And then I come over a rise. There's two two ruse um, halfway across the road, and I. Going that fast, I really couldn't make any decisions quickly. I couldn't get around them, but I, because the rise was good, and, and I know this, it, my 890 was um, an amazing bike, and it, you could wheel stand it at that speed. So I pulled a little wheel stand in, hoping I'd be able to, the front wheel would hit the rouge, so they weren't big. Yeah. Um, yeah, the front wheel come up, and the back wheel collected the rouge, and that was the end of it, mate. I, I was thrown. They found me 73 metres from where the bike hit the ruse. Um, and as you've seen from the pictures, the bike split in half. Um, it was it yeah. was totally ripped in half, mate. Yeah, the bike was... Uh, uh, even um, a lot of bike shops that had seen big accidents had never seen that happen to a bike. So... But yeah, is, is it because you hit it with the front wheel? Because you kind of lifted it up and kind of maybe even used your rails to, you know, your, your chassis rail to, to run into the room. Maybe that was where the impact was taken, and that's why it split in half. Is there any kind of yeah. 
I don't know. I think the front. I think the back wheels collected the ruse and it's catapulted me. Then the bike's just cart. The bike would have cartwheeled for the the seventy meters. It was it was fair. It was well, one part of the bike was close to me and the other was about fifteen meters away. So Mate. the bike sort of it's uh, cartwheeled, but at that speed. Um, you're going to go a long distance anyway. No, absolutely. But we should probably talk about the bike because it was a it was a beautiful bike in in its day, I guess. But uh, what was the bike you're on? So it was a KDM 890 Rally, um, yeah. and it had been I had it set up as close as I could to my 450 that I raced at Dakar. Obviously, two different bikes, but it was a bike I do all my training on. We had the factory suspension um, set up with a. Aurora rally towel with all my roadbook gear. Um, it, yeah, it had been. You had the, all the rot wheeler intake system and a rapid bike ECU. So it, this thing ripped. I've never ridden a bike like it. It was it was that good, but it's now no longer. <laughs> no, it's no longer at all, mate. And uh, what did you once you had this? Do you remember any of the crash up, up to that point or is there kind of a blank spot after you hit the ruse? No, I remember seeing the ruse and then I remember waking up. Um, the, the guys that were travelling behind me, uh, I was still unconscious when they got there. So I'd been unconscious for quite a while. And then they said they, uh, after they got there and probably about 30 seconds or 40 seconds after they got there, my eyes just snapped open and... Um, then I remember from from then on, wow. um, up until the ambulance got there, and yeah, was it was it like an overwhelming pain, or did you feel kind of nothing until the ambulance got there? Oh no, I knew once I was aware of what had happened, I was fairly. I knew that I'd done some serious damage. As you know, I've kind of been in this situation a few times, <laughs> so. Um, and they even said that I'd talked them through what was going on, and I'd identified it broken my ribs and um, some other parts and pretty sure I'd punched my lung too, which I had. Yeah. So it was just a matter of, you know, we the ambulance arrived 45 minutes later and um, they called another ambulance because they had a punctured lung. Obviously, they needed a, another team there yeah. and, yeah, got me back to hospital and at all, the fun started. <laughs> How did they find you, these guys that you were riding with you? Was there just a big trail of destruction or what was no, that? No, well, I, they were on the same route as me um, and they, they said they'd come over the rise and thought, initially they just thought I'd hit a cyclist because they could see bike pieces everywhere and the front end of a bike and, and wow. my bike and I thought, oh, shit, he's cleaned up someone on a push bike. Whoa. Um, Jeez, yeah, that's morbid. So I, yeah, but um, they, they were all pretty shaken up by it all. Uh, they, they were just, they were hardcore riders. They're just adventure riders. They get out and do a bit of riding, but nothing yep. at the sort of speeds that I like to travel at. Yeah, so of course. It was a bit, bit of bit of a shock for for them. Mate, and so what gear were you wearing? Because obviously, you, we'll talk about your injuries, but like, what was the gear that you were wearing that kind of kept you at least together for this massive crash? Unfortunately, I wasn't wearing any body protection. You know, um, my airbag vest, I wear my airbag vest now. So the airbag vests that we wear at Dakar I, were both overseas. So, oh, right. um, yeah, had I had my airbag vest on, I think I, I, probably, I definitely wouldn't have uh, 
breaking my ribs or punctured my lung and maybe wouldn't have had some of the other upper body injuries. Uh, my helmet was destroyed. Yeah. Um, I ended up with a fractured eye socket too from where the front of the helmet sort of collapsed and wow. all the bars were going through um, where my goggles were. So I'm quite surprised, and everyone's even the police that attended and the hospital people were surprised at the distance I was thrown and what had happened. That um, I was able to still be in reasonable condition. Yeah, no, absolutely. But what were the injuries that you kind of got from this massive incident? I had um, four broken ribs, a punctured lung, uh, tore my left bicep tendon off. Two, two broken fingers, a fractured eye socket, um, some reasonable internal injuries. I've still got a little bit of internal bleeding now. Mm. Um, what else? Heaps of little, little things. So yeah, right. Uh, yeah, a, little, a fracture at C seven in my neck. Um, yeah, just. Just oh, a bra- it's some, oh, oh. barely a very deep wound on my left forearm. There's my left forearm's metal, and I have a titanium radial head as well on the elbow. So um, I had a wound nearly through to the um, plates and radial head on my left mm. forearm, which was a bit of a problem. Mate, oh, <laughs> it's, it's. It, I remember when we talked. You know, you, you had that head-on incident when you were overseas uh, with the other rider yep. coming back on the track, and that seemed like a, a heavy incident. But this one, you just hit a couple of kangaroos, and it's just messed you right up. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, you know, even after four days in hospital, when we we checked out of hospital, I've I didn't realise to the extent of what happened. And it's now ten weeks later. I've just had my first ride on the bike, yeah. um, but I've still got. Um, the injuries aren't healing. I, I need surgery to for the bicep tendon, yeah, and oh, also yeah, yeah. on my left hand. Um, that, you know, it's ten weeks later. I, I was back on the bike after total knee replacements in eight weeks. Yeah, um, but yeah, this has been a pretty big one. No, absolutely. I I done my bicep as well, mate, and I know that that's a long healing process, oh. and it's slow and. Yeah, I hear it, mate. It's 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 crazy that you got back on a bike, which is great determination. But as we just said before, you're you're kind of hurting and a bit slow today. But at the same time, you did a, it wasn't just a normal little ride, mate. No, no. Um, I, I you know, I've been doing a lot of rehab, you know, three days a week physio and osteo, and working closely with Kaz, my nutritionist and trainer. Yeah. Um, and and we've just hit a bit of a, we hit a bit of a brick wall with trying to get things to work properly. Yeah. So I decided to jump on the bike and um, just see how I react riding and, and make sure that I can handle a bike. There's a lot, I leave for Dakar in eight weeks and <laughs> pretty much, yeah, my, my preparation is absolutely horrendous now f- yeah. from the accident. Well, that's that's kind of where we're leading to. What is you are all signed up, ready to go for Dakar twenty twenty two. Is is that still on the cards, or are we questioning yeah, now? No, we even you know, that's why we started the rehab. So probably too early for this accident because I needed, I knew I, I needed to get in shape for Dakar. We've uh, yeah, we're we're hundred percent committed to being at Dakar. Like I said, we leave in eight, eight weeks. I go to Dubai. Um, I'll get I'll be there four weeks early, so I can hopefully get a bit of riding in, but. Uh, the, the, my first ride back, I left Friday just 
dawn to see how I'd feel. And I felt good for that. A two-day ride out to, through Big Desert and back home. Yeah. Uh, and I'm fairly destroyed now, but uh, for ten weeks I haven't been on the bike, so um, yeah. I, I've got limited range. I can't lift my left arm up above my head very well, so I've got limited range. But I, I didn't feel too bad on the bike, so I'm confident that I'll I'll be on the hundred percent. I'll be on the start line at Dakar, but uh, it's just a bit of a race against time now. To, to get things right, you'll be you'll be on the start line, or just be the condition and how much uh, tape's holding you together will be uh, that will be the only factor. Exactly, and mate, I've been in this position many times before. Um, it's just unfortunate that you know, going back from the second Dakar, that I'm not going to be as prepared as I'd like to be. So, and and so, what's that decision to keep going on, uh, even though you're not going to be in that peak physical condition? Why why are you still going to go over there and try? I'm 52, about to turn 53, so I realise my time to get things done is limited. Mm-hmm. And too heavily invested, with, I'd paid my entry fee. Yeah. Before this accident, I'd paid my entry fee. Um, we were committed heavily to to go. My bike's on a car A, which has just been extended over there. So... Um, I've pretty much paid a lot of money to have my bike freighted over there yeah, and extended part A. And yeah, too too heavily invested to back out. I I think it's uh, one of those things. I I know what to expect at Dakar after last year. Yep. Um, I've just got to prepare a lot differently this year. No, absolutely. So what? Let's talk about the process of even getting to Dakar with all the COVID stuff going on. It, was it harder to get into Dakar this year, or was it exactly the same as last? Well. Last year, yeah. This year. Well, this year is obviously easier for me because it's automatic acceptance because I'd finished the Dakar. Yeah. So, the, getting in and being accepted wasn't a problem. Um, I think the COVID's a lot easier. The travel, traveling is a lot easier this year. Yeah. Um, the only problem that concerned me is my wife's coming to Dakar this year. Oh. So, but her travel exemption was approved immediately. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. So we'll. We're, we're now flying get, and getting there that month earlier yeah. uh, means if anything does go wrong, like last year, we had Saudi Arabia suspended all flights and yeah. it was, we had the charter flights. So, um, yeah, I think getting over there earlier is going to make it a little bit little bit easier. We'll, we'll go to Dubai and then do a little bit of riding there and then we're going to go to meet up with um, Hernan and our team yep. and have Christmas in Switzerland with them and fly oh, back to nice. fly back to Jetty. Yeah, so we'll have a, a nice snow, snowy Christmas in Switzerland and then back straight fly back to Saudi Arabia into the desert. <laughs> While you're hobbling around, you're gonna have a great time over there, mate. Yeah, yeah. By that time I won't be hobbling, I hope. I oh. hope I'm I'm more walking and moving a yep. bit more freely. Absolutely, and um, so has that kind of now changed your, your kind of your your thought process of riding in Australia? I know Ben Young had the same issue. He hit a roo when he was in WA and had a big wipeout, and that kind of stopped him from riding big and fast here in Australia. Has it kind of changed your mindset as well? Yeah, it has definitely. You know, there's no need to me for me to be going 180, 190 kilometres an hour on big, fast, open roads like that. Mm-hmm. Although, in saying that, I was it when I went out to Big Desert on Friday, you know, I did a just a 1,400k two-day ride on the 500AXC. Um, <laughs> okay. And I, I had a few close calls with Ruse, but 
I'm only doing 130, 140 on that. Oh, yeah. It's not, oh. It's not stupid, no. stupid speeds like the 890 will do. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to definitely reduce the amount of risks I take. Yeah. And from here on in, I'll, I'll be writing a lot of road books. I'll try and slow it right down and just do road books everywhere I go, yeah, which will slow it, really slow it down. Well, that's that's what you should lay out, I guess, especially leading up to, to Dakar. You want to slow it right down and get that body uh, back to some form of uh, riding capabilities anyway. Yeah, yeah. So I, I did a nice 100k sand loop in Big Desert yesterday morning. Uh, no, Saturday morning before riding home. And, yeah, I felt really good. It was just, uh, you know, it was a 700k ride home and about 100 kilometres from Albury where I jumped back onto the bitumen. I started to fall asleep on the bike. And Jesus. Then when I got home, I pretty much fell off the bike and straight into the painkillers. Oh, mate. Well, I, I guess you got to see where your limits are and that was a good way for you to determine it and you can just build from there. Yeah, that's right. I, I, I felt comfortable on the bike. I think I'm just out of shape and tired. And, uh, you know, I'm realistic about Dakar and I was last year. I'm, I know where I sit in the field in, in the middle of the pack and yeah. it'll be middle. Could even be back further this year with my preparation, the way I feel. But uh, I'm, I'm going there to have a good time I'd like to be as competitive as I can but um, you know the, the goal is to get across the finish line No mate look uh, your determination especially after last year's uh, kind of you know incidents and, and issues you were having I think you're definitely going to get across the line but it's just going to be a, a slow process and making sure that you can understand that it's a slow process too and not push yourself too hard Yeah that's the problem I have and I, I talk about that a lot with my, um, with Kaz from performance nutrition and, and my wife that I need to slow things down. I keep thinking, you know, at 53 years old, I'm running out of time, but you know, our goal was to try and get five Dakars in and I've got to be smart about it now. Mate, yeah, you definitely can do it. I think it's just uh, slowing yourself down a bit so you can uh, actually physically get through them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I know when I get back from Dakar in February next year, I, you know, I've got a couple, of sur- couple more surgeries there to... Oh. to be done to, to, to tidy up a few things. So <laughs> It's kind of going to be the next five years is just going to be your routine. Dakar surgery, Dakar surgery, yeah. Dakar surgery. Yeah, I, I think so, so. Yeah. Well, look, mate, all the best. We'll obviously catch up with you over in uh, when you're in Dakar and have some chats and see how you're going. And uh, thanks for thanks for your time, buddy. Yeah, mate, no, it'll be great. Like I said, I'll have my wife with me this year, so it'll be much easier for us to communicate and communicate more with bit more set up to even do some live live stuff from Dakar. That'd be awesome. Hopefully I'm in a better place mentally this year than I get there. So Oh absolutely buddy. Well look uh heal up buddy and we'll talk soon. No worries. Thanks Jeremy.